This is episode 118 of the Dear Discreet Guide Trouble at Work podcast. This episode is titled Arcturus and the COVID-19 Vaccine. This episode is part of our near daily series during the pandemic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dear Discreet Guide, Trouble at Work, where we talk about work, working, and how to make work better. If it's work-related, we're on it. Who knew talking about work would be this much fun? I'm Jennifer Crittenden, a former CFO and host of the show, and thank you for joining our quest to improve our workplaces. Let's do this. I'm really thrilled to welcome a couple of new guests today from Arcturus Therapeutics. I have Joe Payne with me, who's the CEO, and he's joined by Neda Safarzadeh, Director, Head of Investor Relations, Public Relations, and Marketing. I'll give you some background on Joe. He's the president and CEO of Arcturus Therapeutics. He served on their board since uh, March of 2013, and he brings with him an exceptional track record of ushering novel therapeutics to the clinic including targeted RNA medicines, utilizing lipid-mediated delivery technologies. Joe's background includes 20 years of successful drug discovery experience at Merck, DuPont, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Calypsis, and NITO, if I'm saying that right, as evidenced by over 40 publications and patents and several investigational new drug IND clinical candidates. His academic training includes a bachelor's degree in chemistry, Magna cum laude from Brigham Young, a master in science in synthetic organic chemistry from University of Calgary, and executive training certification from MIT Sloan School of Management. Welcome to the show, Ned and Joe. Hey, uh, thanks. It's good to be with you. Yeah, so Arcturus burst into the headlines a few weeks ago. San Diego Biotech working on a COVID-19 vaccine and as a fellow San Diego biotech person, I was like, oh, I would love to talk to these people. So thanks again for making the time to talk to us. Absolutely. So tell us how long that project has been underway and what phase is it in? Well, the COVID-19 vaccine project initiated when the world found out about Uh COVID-19. So in in January, uh, Singapore, the country of Singapore, was at the forefront of the, the epidemic at the time. And they reached out to Arcturus to learn about our messenger RNA technology, our delivery technology, our capabilities in manufacturing, and started to evaluate to see if this was something we wanted to develop together with the Duke NUS Medical School in Singapore to develop a a, a COVID-19 vaccine uh, to potentially vaccinate the country of Singapore. And as we went through the process, we got to learn more about the Duke NUS Medical School in Singapore and, and the, the research team there, a group of uh, just exceptional scientists that are world experts in infectious diseases and, and in particular coronaviruses. We thought that it would be a nice synergy to combine with them uh, our, our technologies that are ideally suited to vaccinate or protect against the COVID-19 virus using Arcturus's technologies and, and expertise. So it came together nicely and uh, led to an agreement mm-hmm. 
in early March. And we've hit the ground running and collected a lot of great data with them. And, and we look forward to hitting new milestones in this project. Has Arcturus done any other vaccines? Yes. we Our relationship with the Duke NUS Medical School for this vaccine project is, is technically our fifth. Oh, I see. Strategic, strategic vaccine relationship. We, we have uh, uh, relationships with large pharmaceutical and large animal health pharmaceutical companies for infectious disease prophylactic vaccines. We, we also have a, a relationship with Canadian Biotech for the cancer vaccines. And, and now we have this fifth strategic relationship with the Duke NUS Medical School for COVID-19 vaccines. So we've been doing this for years and we have collected a lot of great data with, with several partners along the way. Can you give us a sense of the timeline and what the process will be for a vaccine to become available to the public? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one of the first questions the, the media and people will always ask, right, is when, when is this going to be available? The first things first is we, you have to identify the vaccine. And we've gone through that process. And we feel that we've got a, a great vaccine candidate. And so we're in the throes of manufacturing that as we speak. And we aim to deliver the what's called the GMP manufactured batch in June and ship that to Singapore in June. And GMP is just an acronym to denote that this is for human use. So that, that GMP manufactured batch will be shipped in June. And then we've also told the markets that in the summer or this summer, we will be initiating a clinical trial in Singapore uh, injecting up to 76 human volunteer subjects, including elderly, uh, to evaluate and determine the dose. And so at the conclusion of that trial, we hope to have a really good or clear idea as to what dose we can utilize in, in a more significant trial after that. With respect to when it'll be available, that's, uh, that's a complicated or a more loaded question Mm -hmm. uh, availability to the public is determined by regulatory agencies. Mm -hmm. And the regulatory agency we're working with is the Health Sciences Authority in Singapore, or the HSA. And we're fortunate to be working with this group because it's not their first pandemic or epidemic. They, like I mentioned earlier, they, you know, Singapore has uh, had to deal with MERS and SARS and now COVID-19. So they, fortunately, the regulatory agency is, has seen these pathogenic or epidemic infectious disease type situations before. So they know which corners to cut and they know which corners not to cut, which is really helpful when you're trying to accelerate something as quick as possible through the, through the clinic. As to when they will approve it for distribution, the question may, I, I want to splice that question into two, like they may initially approve it for emergency use authorization for a subpopulation. Uh, and you might have heard of this already, but you can uh, approve a, a therapeutic or a vaccine in this case to, to be used in hospital employees and the, the first responders and family members of the infected patients and people at high risk. Yeah, military and it, you, you got it. So, so I think there's an initial wave of approval to, to folks that are in more need of the vaccine than others. 
and then there will be a, a subsequent approval at some point is how I see this playing out. Unfortunately, I'm not a psychic, so I don't know for sure. <laughs> Doesn't that come with being a biotech CEO? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, yeah, some, sometimes we're asked to play that role. <laughs> but uh, um, And this is a situation where, of course, we hope and that the HSA will, will rapidly approve our vaccine for distribution. At the same time, we're we're not going to jeopardize safety of, of folks. And and I think we have the, the right solution, though, a, a, a real vaccine that is superior in many ways. We're excited to to collect the human data this summer. And, oh, I'll bet. And uh, hope, hope we can make a, a, a difference. Can you explain how this type of vaccine works for the non-scientists of us? Yeah, yeah. So, so the vaccine industry, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to, every single one of these companies is, is simply trying to trick the human body. We're trying to trick the human body to make it think that it's getting infected with the real virus, but really it isn't. Mm-hmm. So, so in, in previous generations, people would use a dead virus, for example, mm-hmm. or a changed, it's called an attenuated virus, whether it's living or dead. And they would inject that to try to invoke uh, uh, the desired immune response to vaccinate the person, right? Mm-hmm. But each of those have their challenges. And then, and and our 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 vaccine is completely devoid of any viruses or viral material, and that gives it additional simplicity. And it's an attractive feature of our vaccine. So it's completely devoid of viral elements. At the same time, in order to trick the body that it's getting infected you either inject a virus or a part of a virus, or you make the virus or a part of the virus and get that injected. Synthetically. Synthetically, like in a factory. So why not make a chunk of the virus and then inject it? But that takes a lot of time. And then you have impurities associated with whatever you're making in a factory that you also have to be concerned of. And then there's this word called adjuvant that is added to these sort of vaccines because the amount of protein you can make is not very much of the, the chunk of the virus. And, and a lot of people are calling that the spike protein or the S antigen. Hmm. If, you, if you Google images right now and look at a coronavirus and the COVID-19 virus, you, and you've probably seen this in the media, it's this nanoparticle with these spikes on the, on the surface. And those spikes is what the vaccine industry, the vast majority of them are making. They're making those little tiny spike proteins or S antigens, and we're doing the same. But how we do it is unique, and we believe it's very efficient. Rather than a factory making it, which takes considerable amount of time, and we just don't have that luxury, we inject a messenger RNA molecule into the arm. And then the arm, you know, the muscles in the arm, those cells right there will make it. The messenger RNA gets converted naturally into the spike protein. Oh. And so you just make a a bunch of spike protein right in your arm. And then just like we're intending to do, the body says, hey, what is this stuff? And they they create a nice immune response that, and all the antibodies get made and, and, and now you're protected. So if the real thing comes along, you already have antibodies ready to neutralize, it's called to, to fight and, and prevent you from getting impacted by the actual virus and you're protected or vaccinated. So I've, I've spoke quite a bit, but it's this concept of we're trying to trick the body to thinking it's getting infected. And that's what we do extremely well. If you look at 
if you're trying to mimic or pretend that you're the coronavirus, well, you better look like it, talk like it, walk like it, but not be it, right? It's safer not to be it. So is that the distinction between a DNA vaccine and an RNA vaccine? Hey, great question. So with respect to DNA vaccines and RNA vaccines, I, I ask people to go back in their memories back to high school biology. And I think everybody on the call here on this podcast understands what DNA is. You get it from your mom and your dad and it's permanent, but it doesn't do anything. DNA gets converted to RNA and then RNA makes protein. So if you inject DNA into someone's arm, then it has to go through the RNA phase and then make some protein. Okay. So it means you have to inject a lot more DNA. I see. So instead of a, a thousand micrograms of DNA, you only have to inject a hundred micrograms of, of RNA, a much smaller dose. And for, for Arcturus, we have a very special technology called star mRNA. And this is self-transcribing and replicating mRNA. And that's a mouthful. But what it means is that our messenger RNA, when it's injected, it lasts for two to three weeks. So it makes a, a, a copious, a lot of, a, a lot of the, the S antigen or spike protein. That's exactly what you want to do. Mm. And so because it makes a lot of the S antigen, which is totally harmless for the body, but the body then produces antibodies to the S antigen. That's exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. And so our approach is, means it's a very, very low dose. Our doses are estimated at this point to be around five to 10 micrograms which is considerably lower than all other vaccines. And why that's very, very, very important, it means that if our dose is 30-fold lower, Jennifer, it means that instead of 30 factories making the the vaccine, we only need one factory to do the same amount. Right. And that's where we can potentially make an impact because our, our vaccine is readily and easily manufactured. It's my impression that some RNA vaccines like meat, like for measles work really great and others for the flu, not so well. Can you explain why? Oh, well, yeah. Um, the flu is, is, a, is, a, is a unique challenge because it's mutating all the time. Okay. So if, if one of these darn pathogens, these viruses are changing every so often, then, then every year you have to get vaccinated because it's a new fight. Mm-hmm. And so that presents a, a, a challenge. And I would say that that's the key issue. With the measles, it's just not the same. It's, you, you, can, you can vaccinate against it. And remember, measles is probably the most contagious virus of recorded history. Mm-hmm. So the R-naught for, for, for the measles virus is you know, around 15. What does that mean? Yeah, the R naught is if if you get the measles, if the R naught is fifteen, it means that fifteen people get you you share that that virus with fifteen people. Yikes! Before, before you you develop an immune response to it, so it's very contagious, right? And the flu is not anywhere close to the measles. So the measles was a high profile, very very contagious virus, but it wasn't mutating as as regularly. So easier to eradicate or at least control. And what about COVID-19? Do you think that your vaccine would have to be modified each year? No, I think right now, uh, well, the short answer is we don't know 100% at this point, but our best estimate is that this is not going to be a mutating uh, pathogen. 
I see. However, will there be a second or a third wave or fourth wave? You know, my expectation is absolutely. I see. You know, this will have waves of infections, but it can be controlled ultimately by a vaccine. And it will, and, and it's, it's not as contagious as the measles, but it's more contagious than the flu. So we have, here we are. <laughs> right. And that's why we have a pandemic and we need to come up with a vaccine solution and have it injected in the large percentage of the planet's population so that, so that we can establish some sort of control and eradicate this. So, so we don't have these major d- disruptions to our economy every six to nine months. If uh, if zillions of people get infected, and the news is changing every day, but it looks as though more people have been infected than we thought, will we still need a vaccine? Uh, the, the short answer is absolutely, because it's so contagious, right? It's going to have a presence and be disruptive. And unfortunately, it's lethal in a, a subpopulation of, of the folks. And we all know who, by now, I think everyone's a, a pseudo-expert. <laughs> It's amazing how no one knew anything about vaccines, and now everyone's really smart in it. <laughs> now that's why I wanted you to come yeah. on the show. This is just all straight. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's great. It's great. So I think, um, yeah, if you're you're asking, are we going to still have a vaccine? Absolutely. Is this vaccine going to be distributed on a regular basis? Yes. Mm-hmm. Will it eventually be in control? Yes. Uh, I don't know how much time that's going to be, but e- even when the anxiety and stress subsides, it'll always be there until you eradicate it. And even if you look at the Gates Foundation and polio, you know, polio is something that we think we've got covered, but, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates is is passionate about complete eradication of polio itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if the COVID-19 pandemic is under control, I think there'll, there'll be a substantial amount of effort to to eradicate it as well. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't resurface or mutate. Well, reading a little bit about your company reminded me when I came out to San Diego to work in the biotech field, which was, oh, God knows how many years ago. I was in the San Diego biotech area for over 15 years. And one of the things that was really inspiring was working on a project like this that had such visibility and could help so many people. And since my podcast is about working and work, I just have to ask you, so what is the spirit like inside the company right now? Well, you can imagine that the energy is high. However, because of, I guess, operational shift adjustments, like we're working at three shifts and we're spreading out the scientists in the lab okay. uh, in two different sites so that we're working around the clock. So we're spread out, but the energy is very high and the productivity has been exceptional. I think, I think every, every person in the healthcare industry and then scientists that are working on you know, COVID-19 therapeutics and vaccines are very motivated. So I, I've noticed just a, an overall uh, increased level of positivity and excitement and energy around our COVID-19 vaccine. You know, we've collected data in vitro uh, or like in, in the lab and also in, in animals. That's just really exciting. And we really believe we have something that can help a lot of people starting first with Singapore. Mm-hmm. But there's many more countries on this planet outside of Singapore. There are a lot of companies who appear to be working on therapeutics for COVID-19 and vaccines. Would you dif- differentiate yours in some way? 
Sure. So I, I, the last I counted, it was about 60 or 70 uh, companies on the COVID-19 vaccine tracker. Oh, my gosh. So there's a lot of companies that have thrown their hat into the ring and really want to help uh, vaccinate this planet. It's a, it's a huge undertaking. So I, we're different from the field in that there's a small number, we'll say about five of these companies that are pursuing messenger RNA vaccines. Okay. And, and how these are different in that they're devoid of viral materials, which is, has, has its advantages. There's no adjuvants or other things added to the vaccine that complicate or make it challenging to quickly develop and get approved. And that's attractive as well. Uh, so I think within this world of messenger RNA vaccines, you know, we're different in that it's easily designed and very cleanly making the the desired spike antigen or the spike protein right in your arm to invoke that desired immune response. So that we're a messenger RNA vaccine. And then how Arcturus differentiates ourselves from within the messenger RNA vaccine group is that we utilize a self-replicating messenger RNA vaccine. So our dose is extraordinarily low. And if you couple that with our feasibility in manufacturing the vaccine, it means that we can make a, a significant impact to large populations. One manufactured batch of our, our vaccine could potentially vaccinate the entire country of Singapore, as I mentioned. Wow. So that's, you know, that's differentiating as well. And do you intend to manufacture that here in San Diego? Yeah, in the United States, we'll manufacture the bulk product as we distribute it internationally. Um, there may be what's a process called fill finish and distribution. Mm. This is such an unusual product. Normally, you work with pharmacies to distribute drugs, right? But in this sort of situation, you're working with countries and militaries of those countries to distribute the medicine or the, or the vaccine, right? Wow. So, so our customers are countries and, and, and government agencies and governments, not, it, it's just not normal, at least for this year. No, I hadn't thought about that. We're engaged with countries and countries are approaching us to establish rights and access to our vaccine and to stockpile the vaccine before it's even approved. And you want to stockpile the vaccine before it's approved so that you're in a good position to immediately distribute it once you once a regulatory agency approves it for distribution. Yeah. So these are the type of discussions we're in now from a commercial or business perspective. Right. And I think, I think Arcturus also just recently went through a public offering. Is that right? Do you have enough cash to carry you through now? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a humbling, overwhelming process. When we initiated our offering, we had a much smaller number in, in mind, but the, Oh, I see. (laughs) <laughs> the level of interest was was extraordinary. There, there's a lot of people that are now tracking us and understand the need to, to financially support this effort. So there was just an extraordinary amount of interest. It was it was oversubscribed. It was oh, that's wonderful. Multiples oversubscribed. So wow. I wish all fundraising was was this generous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it just means that there's a lot of support from our investors and we're very thankful for their support. A lot of smart, high quality investors are now behind Arcturus and, and we view that as a very good thing. Uh, it ended up being a pro- just over 80 million, 80.5 million. Nice. As we close the round. And for a small company like Arcturus, that's a big deal. And it allows us to, to support the clinical trial efforts of our COVID-19 vaccine and our flagship liver 
product for a rare liver disease as well. So we're in a good position to be well-funded in a time where the economy is uncertain. So we're very thankful for that. Yeah, that's, that's really great. Before I let you go, I wondered if there was anything you wanted to share with the listeners, like your website or where they can follow your work or anything you'd like to share, yeah. either you, Joe, or Netta. Sure, great. I, I appreciate that. Uh, our, our website is www.arcturusrx.com. Now, that's a mouthful. Uh, if, you <laughs> have, if Arcturus sounds familiar to you, it's because it's the first star you see in the sky in the Northern Hemisphere. Oh, well, you know, starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight. <laughs> That's our Arcturus. That's lovely. So I didn't know that, you know, seven years ago when we started the company, and we thought that was, a, a, you know, a pleasant message that when you wish upon a star, that's, that's Arcturus. It's the brightest star in the Northern Hemisphere. So Boy Scouts and, and we'll, we'll know what Arcturus is, but it's A-R-C-T-U-R-U-S. And then R-X is or Arcturus Therapeutics. So ArcturusRx.com. We have a video there that shows how our technology works right on the very front page. And you can you can track our progress there. We're publicly traded on the NASDAQ. Uh, ARCT is our symbol. And we're, we're looking to play a role in vaccinating first Singapore and then subsequent countries to that if the data proves to be what we expect, right? So we're, we're excited to live into those expectations and and really uh, make a difference. And so thank you for the time, Jennifer. Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate the education and, and thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. You got it. Have a good afternoon. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jennifer. That's it, everybody. You've made it through another episode of Dear Discreet Guide, Trouble at Work. During the pandemic, we'll be changing our format in honor of those who are quarantined or working on the front lines. We'll put out shorter shows on a daily or near daily basis early in the morning to start your day on a positive and interesting note. We'll be considering work-related issues relevant while COVID-19 is impacting the world. If you have a question or a comment or a message for our listeners, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us through the website, discreetguide.com, D-I-S-C-R-E-E-T, where you can also find other resources about working better together. Thank you for joining my quest to improve our workplaces, our work lives, and our lives in general. And thanks for listening. We look forward to returning to our old format when the world has returned to a more normal state. In the meantime, please hang in there, stay safe, and know that I care about you.